Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the 1970 Podcast. On today's show, we recap a frenetic transfer deadline day that saw two new players join Paris Saint-Germain. We also discuss the departures from the club. Will PSG miss their youth projects that have gone on to greener pastures? We give our grades for the transfer window as a whole and answer your questions from Twitter. My name is Ed, and joining me as always is Mark Damon, and this is the 1970. Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, it's a, it's a good day. Um, I know there's a lot of times here in our uh, PSG community, fan base, whatever you want to call us, where we tend to drift more towards the morbid and macabre. Mm-hmm. But this is a good day to celebrate. It's not a day to sort of think about what you didn't get. This was a really strong statement-making transfer window where I think PSG have now set themselves up with the strongest team they've had since, I would say, 2015-2016. So that's, what, three seasons ago now? The last season with Zlatan? That was, this is the team that comes closest to that one, <laughs> and PSG fans should be very happy about that. Absolutely. should be 100% happy. I've, I've wrote about this. I've said it. This is the most complete PSG team that we've seen in years. And Neymar, he's going to look around and say, no, I didn't get to move back to Spain, but like we we could actually do something this year. When he looks around at the depth that's in the squad, I mean, we've got a few injuries now, but when healthy, this team, I would put them up there with a, you know, a Liverpool, Manchester City, just on paper. I know that those teams have actually gone out and done it, but on paper, this team, talent, name by name, is just as good as any of the top clubs in the world. Um, Yeah, I think they're a step below, like, in certain areas where it's where you know it's critical to not be a certain step below but for the most part this is as complete a team as they've had and if everyone stays healthy which is the key and if they can figure out the whole mental aspect of this it's a it's a team that should be in the quarterfinals or the semifinals and take its chances from there yeah. and clearly this team should you know win league on fairly easily with the talent that they now have and the, and the depth that they have on their roster too. So I, I have to say that we, I'm still a little hesitant to call them anything, but contenders, I don't think they're favorites. I think they're a team that I want to see them do it consistently in big matches. And I have to say they have set them up. They set themselves up well for that. And, Thomas Tuchel really doesn't have any more excuses. We were kind of expecting a down year, you know, just kind of a retooling. We need to build, you know, add some depth. We weren't really expecting a whole lot. I know it's PSG, but not many people were expecting a whole lot from this team. And the injuries, and then we lost to Ren. We were all kind of down. Now, with the signing of Icardi and, and Navas, and you compare, you know, add on everybody else... Now we're we our expectations are right back up there. Again, we need to get players back healthy. Neymar has to go through a suspension, but once all the the dust is cleared, we've got a really good team. We could actually do something this year. So let's just get right into the signing of Acardi. This happened. What was it? Forty five minutes before the end of the transfer window five, closing. Five o'clock. I think this when five o'clock. No, it was five exact. It was five yeah. o'clock exact. So he arrives from Inter. It's a loan deal um, with. 
an option to buy, not an obligation, which is a key uh, factor in this. Uh, I, I saw on Twitter a lot of inter fans were kind of glad to be rid of him, mostly because it was all off the pitch. So they, you know, his his girlfriend or his, his wife, I guess, um, she is his agent, and it's a lot of off the field things that are going on with him. Um, so they were kind of glad just to be rid of the headache. There's no questioning the talent. The talent is there. Um, I had written down here a little uh, stat. So he had scored 124 goals in 219 games across all competitions for Inter. He's the eighth top scorer in the club's history. So I can't imagine Inter fans are thrilled to be rid of that. So maybe, you know, the off the field stuff is really what the issue is there. He's going to slot in. I mean, we've got injuries to Mbappe and Neymar is, is, Suspended and Cavani is out, so he's going to come in and expected to l- deliver right away. Um, what do you think? How would you grade this this signing? I think there are a lot of people that are overthinking this. I see it on Twitter a bit, where you know we have to come up with the hot take or the different take or the I'm smarter than everybody else, so let me think of something that nobody else has thought of and overcomplicate everything. Quite simply, this is one of the best transfer deals in the history of European football. It's it's a steal. I mean, let's just think about this and let's put it in its picture. You have a 32-year-old striker in Edinson Cavani who has now had three major muscular injuries in the last 12 months. The last game where he even remotely resembled his full self was in the World Cup against Portugal, and that was last July. So for about 12 months now, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's been way less effective than he had ever been in his career. The goal-scoring output went down. And it looks like at the end of this, um, at the end of his deal, which ends in, the, in June of 2020, he's going to go to MLS. Now, I don't know about you, but there are very few players who are at a top European level who then end up just going to MLS. <laughs> so it looks like even he realizes that he is in the downturn of his career. He's not a great athlete in the traditional sense. He's not a physical specimen. He's a guy that has really great instincts for the ball, a selfless player that runs all the time, and a gifted player in front of goal. One of the most gifted we've seen, maybe one of the best. It's an argument he's the best striker in PSG history, even over Zlatan. Mm-hmm. And he, and there's more in the 80s and 90s, obviously. Um, he scored well, the I, most goals, so it's hard to argue. He scored the most goals, so yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's, he's number one. But yeah, his career is almost over. His European career is almost done. PSG needed to replace him. So PSG, in... The quest to replace one of their all-time greats has gotten one of the top five strikers in the world when he's on and when he's mentally in the game. A guy that scored over 100 goals in over 200 games. A guy scoring output is maybe not on Cavani's level, but kind of similar to when Cavani was at Napoli. Yeah, he had 111 goals and 188 Serie A appearances with Inter. And that's a that's a hell of a return. They're getting him essentially at the prime of his career. Twenty six years old. Twenty six years old. Yep. They do not have to purchase him outright this year. 
So in terms of financial fair play, it's a blip on the radar. They have to pay $5 million up front. $5 million. They've, they already paid for that by selling one of the young players. So they don't even really have to worry about that $5 million at all. And then at the end of the year, if everything works out well and the guy is everything he everything he seems to be and if he fits in well and Cavani leaves PSG all they have to do is call that 65 million euro transfer uh, fee and they have Mauro Icardi one of the top five strikers in the world on a bargain an absolute bargain of a price Nicola Pepe went for what 70 80 something like that in installments oh, yeah Arsenal way overpaid and we saw against Spurs how much he didn't really help that much but so. think about the what, what strikers go for in modern football Luka oh, Jovic yeah. went for like what was Luka Jovic went for like 45 50 maybe even a little more than that yeah if you can research that tell me how much he went for PSG got a player similar to that if not better for about the same price and they don't have to pay that price till next year. So there's nothing but good here. Because if he flames out and is a complete flake, they don't have to call the loan. They yeah, so call it. it was Luka, Luka uh, Jovic, it looks like 60 mil, 60 so million euro. So they're getting Mario Icardi, who's a proven striker in a top league, for about the same price that Real Madrid played for Luka, Luka Jovic. Mm-hmm. How do you complain about that? It's a brilliant signing. It's just absolutely brilliant. I mean, the issue, though, is with his wife, agent, whatever other titles that she has. I know you were doing some research on her, so you can fill our uh, listeners in. The issue is with her and the off-the-field stuff. Is there any concern with that when you combine it with Neymar? I mean, we still don't – we haven't seen Neymar on the pitch. We don't know how he's going to you know, be acting – we all assume that he's going to be just fine, but combining those two, is there any concern there that you have? No, because okay. one, if not both of them, would leave at the end of the year. So if Cardi works out, he's staying. Neymar, who the hell knows with him? But if Cardi does, again, if Icardi, they don't have to pay him if he doesn't work out. They just send him back. And they don't have to worry. It, all that you, all that you lose is a season that you are basically gonna, you know, all you're losing is a Champions League that you basically didn't think you were gonna win anyway. So right. Acardi gives you the chance to win a Champions League that you probably weren't gonna win before. Now at least you have a chance. And if it doesn't work out, that's all you've lost. You haven't lost anything else. You don't have to pay any money. You don't have to worry about. Any, I, I can't even stress this enough how great of a deal this is. It's like, and, and like you said, he can just go back. Like you said, I mean, it's really not a huge risk. I mean, $5 million is – I mean, we sold a lot of youngsters, so it's really – it's negligible in terms of financial fair play and how much money is going out. And like Neymar, Icardi is, is going to want to prove himself. He has a lot to prove if he does want to move to a different club so both of them this season a need to stay healthy and b need to give it their all to prove to everyone that they are worth moving to whatever club it is that they want to go to if it's not psg so both of them are incentivized to stay on the straight and narrow and and put in a performance week in and week out wouldn't you say 
uh, yeah, and I don't think Icardi would have agreed to this if he wasn't considering staying. I think there's a good chance that if he performs well, he'll stay. Right. Like, I don't see him wanting to go back to Inter and deal with all that again. I think this was just a way for him to leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just, it was an easier way to do it, I think, for everybody involved. I don't think Inter could get the price they wanted to sell him outright. So I think this was probably as good as they were going to get. So I'm not, you know, I, I think it's a gamble worth taking. And I do think that he helps Killian Mbappe, I think, more than anybody. Because right now, Killian is, you know, even before the injury, he was struggling a bit because Cavani is just not creating the space for him. Because Cavani's just not making those runs anymore. He's not as dangerous. You put a Cardi in there now, a Cardi mm. can, can just feast in the box. Killian has way more space than he had before. Neymar yep. will have a lot more space. That, you know, he'll have space to move. And it kind of recalibrates what PSG had in 2017 when Cavani was at least somewhat near his prime, playing with both of the, with the two of them, letting them bomb the wings. And it looked better when they had those that combination going. You have the three of them working. And now you have something like that again. Absolutely. And I'm just going to read a quick quote before we move on from McCarty. So what type of attacker are you? This is uh, from the PSG website. He says, I'm a penalty box forward. I love scoring. And that is my strongest characteristic. I mean, what else needs that? He knows what it is, what he's being brought here to do. That's exactly what we need, especially with all of the injuries with Mbappe out, Cavani on the downside of his career. You bring this guy in, no risk whatsoever. He's incentivized to do well. This guy's going to be banging in goals. I mean, if he can do that in Syria, I have no no worries whatsoever. He's going to be able to do that in the French League. And we'll see. We'll see if he can uh, make the starting lineup for Champions yeah. League uh, well, matches. Uh, well, it's definitely possible. Wait, bes besides the long term, the short term is he's going to be starting on the 18th against Real Madrid. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Probably with Di Maria and either... Chupo. No, it's probably going to be Di Maria and some form of either Sarabia or Draxler. I know everybody's killing me, but it's, you know, they're going to have to figure out somebody to play that left side. So they they have something going there. They might even just play a 4-4-2 with Di Maria and Icardi as the sole people up front. They could do that, too. So, you know, long term, yeah, but short term, this at least gives them a chance against Real Madrid. And and. I've said this before what i love is this is a player that's coming and that can has the ability to start that is world class and he wasn't on the pitch for those devastating moments that we've seen the last couple of years so this is a guy that's coming in with a fresh mentality ready to prove himself i think it's great and we can i think you're right he's going to start against real madrid and i'm going into that match a little bit more confident than i was before i think that we can at least go for a draw maybe even you know steal one so you never know uh speaking of real madrid we had player come from their squad over to ours Keeler Navas he arrives and we send back Alphonse Areola and so we have our starting goalkeeper this is a guy that you know has won 11 trophies in five years including three Champions League so he comes with all the pedigree like uh, Buffon did except he's not 78 years old so with Navas is the goalkeeping situation solved in your in your eye again people are overthinking this Navas is a number one He's clearly a number one. The idea that, that Real Madrid thought they had to bring in Thibaut Courtois to either repl to replace him is baffling to me. I don't get it. But whatever. That was their call. That was their decision. They made it. 
So their their decision has now benefited Paris Saint-Germain in an unexpected way. It leaves one of the top 10 goalkeepers in the world without a regular starting spot. And despite what Zidane said, there was no way they were just going to keep Kaylor Navas on the bench. Like right. that would not have been fair to Kaylor Navas at all. And I think they realized that and they knew that they were, it, it, there's no point in keeping a a goalkeeper on his wages on the bench for more than a year. So they sent him to us. We get him for four years and he gets to be PSG's undisputed number one keeper. He'll make, he'll make mistakes like all goalkeepers make mistakes, but there will be no doubt that he's the number one. There will be no calls for Sergio Rico, their newest loanee to fill in his spot. And it sort of just settles it. Like it's, it's settled now PSG have a number one goalkeeper, and that's really all you could ask. And, and we and we have a number two. We have a number two that knows he's a number two, right? Yeah, that Rico has some talent, but he's not he's not a number one goalkeeper in Europe. So yeah, he's a he's a number two. He'll play cup matches. Yeah, well, like sir, I mean, with uh, Ariola, he thought he was a number one at PSG, even though. The quality is not there. Now we have Sergio Rico, who arrives um, on loan from Sevilla. He's okay with being a number two. He knows his role. Marcin Boca, he understands he's the third, and he's okay with that. Now we have we have goalkeepers that understand their role, whereas before with Ariolo, he didn't really understand who he was, and, and we weren't probably clear with the communicating with him, and we gave him loads of chances, and he never really just grabbed it and, and made the position his own. So he's on his way to Real Madrid. There was a great meme going around with the guy putting on glasses, thinking it was Mbappe, and then when the glasses are on, it was actually Areola. So, um, they they do look kind of similar. If you, <laughs> if you squint, they do look kind of similar. But just about Areola, it's like Areola is – a goalie with talent, but without temperament. Mm. And with him, it's like he shouldn't have to be handed the number. This is the this is the the thing that people say, and I don't. I I just it baffles it boggles my mind when people say this. It's like PSG weren't clear that Alphonse Ariola was the number one. They should have made it very clear and given him his full faith. It's like wait a minute. Is that what we're doing now? We're just handing people starting jobs and we're saying, hey, it's yours, man. You don't have to compete for it. You don't have to perform. We're just giving you the number one. We have faith in you, Alphonse, without him actually earning that faith. Kaylor Navas is a three-time Champions League winner. He's played in the biggest games against the biggest teams and the biggest players. That guy's earned the right to say, I'm a starter. Mm -hmm. What the hell has Alphonse Ariola done? in his career to say, I should be the number one undisputed starter at Paris Saint-Germain. Nothing. He's done nothing of the sort. And the idea that PSG should have just given him that job and that it's all up to confidence and that because he wasn't given the vote of confidence that he, worked, that he didn't perform as well, that's bullshit. Yeah. Because you shouldn't have to. You have to go earn that spot. This isn't day camp. This isn't part. This isn't. You know, this isn't AYSO soccer. This isn't, you know, everyone earns a trophy and we make sure everyone feels good. This is major European football. This is the Champions League. Millions of dollars are on the line here. Millions and millions of euros and billions of people watching. And we're just supposed to give this guy the starting job. Why? Yeah. What have you done to earn it? 
So now, and I'm not even mad at Ariola really. I'm mad at this concept that we should have just handed him a job. So now he gets to go to Real Madrid and he gets to see what life is like on the bench at a major club where he's going to sit there. He's going to sit behind Courtois. He's going to start one game a month. And at the end of that, maybe he gets loaned to a place where he can start every day like Newcastle Mm -hmm. or some Premier League club in the middle of the table where they're not going to be in mig they're not going to be in Europe they're not going to be anywhere but he's going to start every day he's going to be a solid goalkeeper he'll make friends over there or something I don't know but th- this idea that this guy was the answer to everyone's prayers and that the only reason he didn't succeed is because he wasn't given the ball to run with is just ridiculous it's just I- absurd our our friend Jeremy Smith he covers French football he he tweeted out that he hopes that's that for, that's a word for it covers yes yeah he said I hope for he's his sake it. speaking of Ariola that he's played his last game for PSG he deserves much better than the way that they've treated him and I'm like what how has PSG treated him they they've paid him very well he was the starter for a good number of matches including some big matches he never really convinced them. This is why that they went out to go get a Buffon and, and some other goalkeepers. He never really grabbed that position. He just always would make a mistake. We, you know, the famous where he kind of assisted uh, Cristiano Ronaldo for that goal in the Champions League. I mean, he he was just like uh, errors all the time in the, in the biggest matches. And like you're saying, Newcastle, this guy was up for grabs. Anyone can have him. The best he could do was the number two at Real Madrid. There are worse positions in world football, but like he he can't start at like Brighton or something like no other English team wanted this guy. He was a starter at PSG. No one wanted him. They, they couldn't take him. They, and Real Madrid couldn't even take him outright. They don't even want him outright. They just no. needed a second goal. They just needed a body. Right. Like they didn't even say, oh, we see something in this guy. Let's take him with an option to purchase. No, no, yeah. no, no. He's going back to PSG when this is all done. Real Madrid are not calling that loan or they're not. They don't want the guy. They know that they need a backup goalkeeper. That's not, and you know what they need. They, they why they did this too, because they don't want a whole. Because Florentino Perez believes that Thibaut Courtois is his goalkeeper, and he doesn't want Kaylor Navas on the sideline threatening every single week. He has to hear, "You have a better goalkeeper on the bench. Why don't you start Navas? Why isn't Navas playing?" Now he's got a guy that no one is gonna say should be playing over Thibaut Courtois. So yeah. now he gets to live the next 10 months with his preferred goalkeeper in goal and a guy on the bench that has no chance of supplanting him. So, you know, let's think about this for a minute, everybody. Just because somebody goes through your academy doesn't mean he's the shit. Mm-hmm. In the good way, if you know what I mean. He, yeah. he, just because the guy goes through your academy doesn't mean he's this great player. The academy's not there for that purpose. We'll get into that in a minute, but... yeah. It just, I don't know, but this is more about Kaylor Navas. He's going to bring more veteran leadership. I think on that PSG bench, everything, everyone in the clubhouse respects the guy. I don't think he'll have an issue commanding respect. I think they know that guy's been through wars. They'll, they'll play for him. They'll listen to him. Maybe Thiago Silva will listen to a goalkeeper for once. And it, I just, again, what a day. What a two signings in one day. Like, just competence. And I'm going to say, because I wrote this article in June about Leonardo, and I, did, and I didn't say that he was, you know, 
what I said in that article was he might not be the answer. He's going to have to prove it over again. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt here. He's got to come in. He can't rest on what he did the first time around. And he's got to show that he's still got it and that he's still the guy that can take this club to the next level. And he's clearly proven it. Like, oh, yeah. He's clearly proven that he is savvy, that he understands the market, that he understands market efficiency. He understands how to take advantage of certain situations. He understands how to get deals done quickly. I mean, you think about last January, Landro Paredes, it took, what, two weeks to get that deal done because they were arguing over every little bit of the contract. It's still it overpaid them, for him. It took them a day and a half or two days to really get that Accardi deal done and dusted. So, like, Leonardo's the guy, and that, and he deserves every bit of praise he's gotten. He's transformed this team, and today I think was just a capping off of that and a, a real testament to how good he is at his job. Yeah. Now, we're going to be talking about some of the departures, but I, I just pulled up transfer market, and I think it's important, just going off of what you just said about Leonardo, to just really understand the business side of what he has been able to pull off. So in terms of departures, he has sold players for a sum of $117 million. That has a market value, according to Transfer Market, of a little over $200 million. When you look at the arrivals, he has spent a sum of $108 million. The total market value is $358 million. That is incredible business. He was getting players on loan. Own. He was getting players either at or well below market value, like an Andresa Gay or Andrew Herrera he got on a free. It's not just that he brought in all of the players that PSG need. And sure, they're still right back. Maybe that PSG, we would have liked to see them sign. But incredible business. We didn't overspend. I tweeted out, you know, PSG ruining football, one you know bargain transfer and loan deal at a time. This is not, you know, the PSG that we've seen in previous years. It's really going to be hard for people who are outsiders to critique this team when they have done excellent business and signed players that they desperately needed. So my hat's off to Leonardo. He He's amazing. He's, he's I'm glad that he's our sporting director. Very happy. Well, they sure as hell will try to, to pick this apart and, and, and look at things from a different angle. But, again, it's simple. Just if you look at this simply, this was all – you know, 95% great. So, well, and the, the the Twitter trolls are already coming out. Ryan Conway, who covers uh, Derby who, County for the... Who's that, who's that person? Ryan Conway. He, he actually has uh, Derby... Derby? Or, oh, I'm sorry, Derby? Darby. Is it Darby? Is that how you're supposed Derby to say it? Derby County? Is that in England somewhere? <laughs> yeah. I, somewhere, I don't know where Darby County is. Um, yep. I can't even really say it correct, but yeah, he had a lot to say about PSG. Whatever helps get the clicks. He's got less followers than we do, and he's a quote-unquote journalist for the Athletics. So, good luck to you, sir. Leave a PSG to us. We'll, we'll leave it to the professionals. We'll we'll cover it from here. But yeah, let's talk about some of those departures in particular. And we've talked about this on the most recent PSG Talking podcast. But a lot of youngsters left the club. Um, some of the names that ended up leaving was the Diaby, Staley and Soki. We had Tim Weah, if you remember him, early in the summer left, Arthur Zagre most recently. Um, we had a lot of young players. What, what are your thoughts on that? Is that a good thing for the club? Uh, listening to Guillaume and Terry um, on the PSG Talking podcast, they seem like they were totally fine with it and excellent business. Curious to get your thoughts on that. I think those are two different arguments i think obviously great business 
They they sold Arthur Zagre, a young 17-year-old who had played 15 minutes mm-hmm. of actual competitive football. 15 minutes in his career for 10 million euros to Monaco. Like they think yeah. people, you know, all the all the get French football news people and the Jeremy Smiths of the world. They're always, you know, bending over for Monaco and saying how great they are. If Monaco had done something like that, you would have pieces, news pieces written about it for the next three weeks. Like, really, they sold a guy who had played 15 minutes of competitive football in his life for a tenth of a Ronaldo. Like, that's that's great business. And Sulky for 15. Diaby for 15 and Kunku for like 20 or something like these are players that could they contribute to PSG? Yes. And that's the second part of this. Is there something inherently better about having a lot of young players come through your system, become starters in your lineup and be major contributors? Possibly. But that would be bucking the tradition of most of the major European clubs. Like, has anyone ever, like, talk about, like, academies for major world clubs. Real Madrid has a decent one, but they don't bring up guys every, like, they don't bring up as many guys as PSG do. Barcelona used to have one, but then they sold their souls, so they don't have one anymore. Um, Juventus doesn't really have a farm, uh, a, a, uh, a youth system of any note. Bayern Munich doesn't really have one either. Their their development system is the Bundesliga. Uh, <laughs> Dortmund, in, I believe. Name a team in England that has a good, name a team in England that has a good academy right now. That's turning out consistent starters. You can't because there isn't no. one. Southampton. Maybe, but they're not. But that's the thing. They're not a major club. Yeah. Like, Arsenal have had a decent one. Chelsea has an okay one. Manchester City doesn't have one at all. And Liverpool doesn't really have one. Neither does um, neither does Manchester United at this point. They don't have great academies. They're not churning out top-level players every two years or so. Those teams rely on buying other people's players. That's how it works. So there's this weird double standard that for some reason Paris Saint-Germain has to, by penalty of law, bring up a certain amount of young players and they get criticized if those players don't work out or they get sent somewhere else when nobody else does. It's a weird double standard that it's like PSG get held to this way different standard for really no reason. PSG are not a club like Monaco. They're not a club like Lyon. They're not a club that relies on developing players, getting them into the first team, and then selling them for major profit. That's not what PSG does. PSG has the academy for a reason. And this will get somewhere. I know I'm telling a long deer, but I'll get somewhere. They have the academy to attract players from from the Paris region or from other places around France to train with a top-level club with some of the best facilities and some with some of the best coaches in the world. And 98% of those people that go through that academy 
never make it to PSG's first team. 98% of them. 2% of them do. And of those 2%, 50% of those 2% usually get sold to somebody else. So you're thinking about 50% of 2% of the players that make it out of that academy that PSG use on the first team. So to me, selling these guys is way more profitable and way a, a way better use of your system than trying to force these guys into positions and trying to have them have roles when they're quite frankly not at that level. Christopher Nkunku is a great example. How long were you going to continue to have him in your team, you know, playing 20 minutes a night or starting random cup matches when what's best for him is to play every day at RB Leipzig? How long were you going to roll with Musa Diaby, who, again, he understood it. He needs to play. So he went to a place, Bayer Leverkusen, where he has a better chance of playing. Same with Tim Wayam and Stanley and Sulky. Like, it'd be, and again, it'd be nice just for, you know, uh, nostalgia, just for sort of sentimentality to have these guys succeed at the club. But that's not what the academy is there for. The academy is there to turn a profit. So I cannot argue with the moves they made. I maybe would have liked to have seen them keep around Arthur Zagre. I think he's a real talent. But again, I can't fault what they did. Agree with everything you said, but I would also add that, you know, people want PSG to win the Champions League yesterday, but then they also want them to develop these players and be patient with them, and maybe they'll work out. You know, we we don't know what Zagre's going to turn out to be. We don't know what Nsoki's going to turn out to be, and we can't just sit these guys on the bench and just, you know, cross our fingers and not address issues that the club has by just, you know, hoping that these players come through. Um, to your point, our friends get French football news on the Guardian. They had a headline. They they contributed a piece that said PSG's transfer strategy is bad news for their academy graduates. And it goes on to say that PSG should be developing the future greats of French football. <laughs> Instead, they're signing players to plug in, you know, plug in their squad. And it's like that's literally what every big club in the world, as you just said, does. They don't bring in the greats of English football or the greats of, of German football. They have an academy. They Send them out on loan with maybe a buyback fee or, you know, a sell-on fee just in case they do turn out to be something. And in the meantime, while those players are all developing somewhere else, they sign players to fill holes. That is literally every club in the world. I don't know why PSG is judged by a different barometer. I don't understand well, this. No, and you're right. And it, I'll, I will say, just to, just to be fair, Tottenham has a good developmental system. Tottenham, Tottenham is – if you want to point to a club that, that uses its youth, it's Tottenham's a good example of that. But, but they have a bunch of PSG rejects. Lochelso. But they but they have a good mix. They I, I have to be fair about it. But and they also have players who like to dive. Yeah, okay. But yeah. <laughs> but I, I was I had a point I was trying to make there. Sorry. Um no, it's I no, I'm just I I lost it. But it's uh, if I talk long enough I'll figure it out. But it it's the it's the get for it's no. The it's not bad news for the academy. That's the stup that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So you're telling me that Christopher Nkunku would rather stay at PSG and get 20 minutes every two weeks as opposed to being sent to a place like RB Leipzig where he's playing every day and he has a chance to develop even more and potentially go to an even bigger club if it works out at Leipzig. Like, that's, you know, to quote R. Kelly, that's stupid. 
We're not use winning your, the Champions use League. Use your common sense. <laughs> We're not winning the Champions League with Nkunku in the midfield. I mean, we didn't win it with no, our players, Roddy, but... That's not even the point of that. The point of that is, it's better for the players. It's better for Diaby and Sulky, Zagre, to go somewhere else and play. Why is it bad for PSG's academy players? It makes PSG's academy more desirable, not less, because now you have an outlet to go and play somewhere. Now, instead of sitting on the under-19s or the reserve team, you know, like some jobber, they get to go play in top European-level games. That's why you have the academy. These people are so stupid, Ed. They're just – they're so – they, I, I know I'm, it's a good day, and I'm sorry I'm ranting too much, but these people cannot see two feet in front of their face. It's like, of course, why would it be bad for the academy? Like they just say that like it's a like it's a fact, like it's an indisputable fact. When I just told you, and I just used indisputable logic to say that guy would rather go somewhere else and play. That's why you go into an academy to develop, not to make the first team. It'd be nice. But it's not the end all be all. And yeah. it's better for their careers to go somewhere else. It's selfish of it's, you know, we'd like to have them. But if we can't have them, let other people have them and let have them be, you know, let them flourish and be great. Yeah, the the responsibility of developing the future greats of French football should fall on St. Etienne, Lyon, Marseille, maybe some of these other teams. They should be developing PSG is a global brand. It is a big club. Their responsibility is to not really develop anybody. Their responsibility is to win trophies, in particular the Champions League. You're not winning the Champions League with Tim Weah starting at striker and Nkuku and Zagre uh, in the squad. You're not. That's not going to get it done. It's not even going to get you out of a group stage. So PSG's responsibilities are a little bit different than what some of these other French writers are supposing that they should be doing. Their onus is not to the youngsters in the academy. It is to their supporters, to their corporate partners, to whoever else, the coaches, fans, to win the Champions League. That's what they're responsible for. And they're they're bringing in the best players that they can. And hopefully it works out this year. Yeah, and I'll I mean, just we, say it again. I'll emphasize the trans- it again. I'll emphasize it again. They're doing right by these kids. Mm-hmm. They are. They could keep them there. Yeah. They can keep them there on the bench, and they don't play. Football players want to play football. They don't want to sit on the bench. No. And I believe, you know, some of them, was it Zagre at Monaco? I mean, we've got buybacks, um, like $30 million or something like that. So if they go on and start impressing and maybe, let's say, Arsenal or somebody comes by and says, oh, that Zagre, I'd love to have him. We can say, eh, we got the buyback. We'll, we'll take him for 30 maybe sell him on to Arsenal for 50 Who knows? You know, I mean yeah. – it's great business, and we've used those, you know, 10, 15 million euro sign or you know transfers to then fund Keeler Navas and some of these other uh, players that we've signed this summer. So I mean, like I said, Leonardo, great business. I mean, he's sold correctly, he's bought correctly. When you put it all together in one big package, what do you grade PSG's summer transfer window? Factor in the Neymar saga and all that. I know he's still our player. He didn't it wasn't a transfer, but factor okay. what happened with him and everybody else. What grade do you give this transfer window? You want to you want to you want to go through the players that we didn't the surprises that we kept 
and then go to the oh. grade, or you want to do the grade and then go to the players that we capped? We can. You did tweet that out, so we could talk some of the ones that that survived the transfer window. So yeah. you had Kurzawa. I want to get the overall picture before we get the grade. This sure. So we we've talked about some of the youngsters. We talked about the two new signings. Then we also had Levin uh, Kurzawa, and we had uh, Thomas Munier, Julian Draxler, Leandro Paredes, and Neymar Jr. These are all guys that survived the transfer window. They remain at PSG. They're kind of on the fringes, other than Neymar. Well, I don't know yeah. how many will minutes they'll get, but what are your thoughts on just those players who have remained in the squad to help with that depth? Um, you need squad depth. Yeah. And it's just numbers. You have to have certain numbers. And last year, PSG were did not have the numbers to, to be consistently competitive. They just didn't have the numbers to really – and it showed at the end of the year when they started losing all those games. They just didn't have the numbers. Right now, they have three players that can play right back. Tilo Kerr, Colin Dagba, and Tomas Meunier. Whatever you think of any of those guys, they do have three players that can play the position. And they have three players that can play left back. They have Kurzawa, they have Juan Bernat, and there was another one that I'm not remembering at the moment, but they have somebody that they can bump out there if they have. Oh, uh, Mitchell Bacher. I forgot about him. Mitchell Bacher technically can play left back. So you do have the numbers, maybe not the quality in depth, but you do have the numbers. And Kurzawa is a fine enough player to play in certain situations. Again, he's not playing in the Champions League unless there's an injury. And you can't spend 30 million euros on a left back in case somebody else gets hurt. Like, that's not great business. So you, you have to be realistic about what you have. So... Yeah. You have your right back situation, left back situation. I say, again, I'm the only person apparently that likes Julian Draxler. I think he does really good things for them when he's put in the right situations. I think he is a guy that isn't going to just be a, he, he can be invisible at times. Believe me, he absolutely can, but he is not a detriment. He is not a abomination of a player. He's a solid player that sometimes goes absent in games, but also has some quality too. So that's a guy that can start for you in, in the league. He's a guy that can come in in a pinch in the champions league who can start a champions league game and not embarrass himself. Mm-hmm. He's quality depth. He's quality depth that PSG haven't had in a while. Leandro Paredes, perfect example. I didn't think they were ever going to sell him. I think they wanted to give him more time to figure it out. But again, he's a guy that you can bring into games and he's not a total embarrassment. Now, his problem is that he's not a confident passer right now and he's not making the he's a stationary passer and he's not in league on. You're not given the space to be like a regista kind of player. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to dribble and you have to be able to dribble by people and you have to be able to you know, pick out the right pass and pick out diagonal passing. And too many times Paredes is sideways passing and he's not aggressive enough. And that's because there's too many bodies on him and he's not used to that pressure. But I think he's a good enough quality depth player. And obviously we talk about Neymar. Um, He's going to be professional. Thankfully it's over, you know. You know, three months in 87 Sport and Mundo Deportivo covers later. He's still a PSG player. So he's going to have to deal with that. The, I think the, the 
the team is fine with it. The um, fans are going to have to live with it. I think they will if he shuts up and contributes. So I, I don't think there's an egregious person on this list that they should have gotten rid of. Munier's maybe at the Munier and Krizau are clearly at the top of that list, but you have to get someone to replace them at a value that makes it worth it. And I don't think they had that value signing mm-hmm. ready to go. Like you could have gotten maybe Yusef Atal or Kenny Lala, but you're paying thirty to forty for those guys. I don't think you do that for a guy that's going to be you know unless you're really sure that guy's going to start. I don't think you do that. And we already made that mistake with Paredes. He calls forty and he's sitting on the bench. Yeah, so it, I think that's fine, and I think if you need to boost that position in the winter, you have enough money to do that, and you can focus on that one position, and you can get it done, and it's not Henrique, so you know that Leonardo will actually get it done in, in fast enough time, so I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah, I, I like the fact that we kept Kurzawa, because, you know, Juan Bernard, who doesn't love that guy? But I like having Krizawa there just to give him a little bit of a break. We're definitely going to need Bernat in the Champions League. So if Krizawa can come in, play that left back, fill in, you know, some of the domestic cups, a couple of league on matches here and there, save Bernat's legs. I think that's great that we held on to him. Munier, I've never really, I mean, I know people have their opinions about him, but I like him staying there just to kind of be that experience. Um, we're going up against his old team, the Champions League. So I think you had mentioned maybe it's good that we have him um, for that as well as Hazard um, plays for Real Madrid. He's Belgium. They play against each other with a national team. So I like the fact that we were able to keep him. I think he could be valuable to us for just those two examples. Draxler, you love him. I don't hate him. I don't don't get why people don't like him. And Paredes, I think he's got a lot to prove. And then Neymar, we know what he's capable of. So I think the players that we were able to keep, incredible that we were able to able to keep them and i think they'll add a lot to the team and just when you go to the squad page on the psg website it's just it's just longer than it's ever been before i mean we got four keepers we've got you know 12 defenders i'm just going through i mean this is looking like a manchester city squad just in terms of the number of players that we have which is amazing and and for those who say oh the youth movement and we sold everyone we still have a deal um oshish I think hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Tenge Kowasai and Loic Beso. So we, we, we got some. Yeah, Kowasai. We have Kowasa. some. <laughs> thank you. My my uh, pronunciations aren't always great. But I mean, we've got some youngster, youngsters in the in the squad. So we've got some youth. We've got some mid-tier guys. And then we've got some world-class talent. So when you put it all together, what would you rate this transfer window? Now that we've kind of talked about players who survived, who came, came in, and, and who departed. Are you so you're just asking general grade? Yeah, give me a grade for the transfer window. Um, I would say an A, but I would give it more a 93 than a 96. Okay, A minus. No, it's an it's an A. It's a solid A. Okay. It's a solid A, but it's not on the high end of an A. What I mean though is they, yeah. they could again they could have gotten that right back or that left back that would have been would have put it over the absolute top, and you know, again, this is me grading it personally. I don't give hundreds because <laughs> you always want to have something to strive for. But it's yeah. a solid A. It's a solid A. And you posted a poll that I retweeted um, at PSG Talk. How many? Yeah, how many so you've, you've got 210 votes. 69% of those people who have voted said A. 27% a B. 3% said a C. And then 1%, which 
which is all Barcelona fans, rated that a D. So, so that's 80, well, no, that's 90, 96%, 96% give it an A or a B. Yeah. That's compared to the last time I did this, which was, I don't, I don't even think I can pull that up, but the last time I did it, it was something like 56% B, 19% A. So big swing at the end of the, you know, big swing at the end of the window there. What did you say you gave it? You gave it an A? I, I'm gonna, I gave it an A, but I'm going to give it an A+, plus, a 96. And the reason for that is I thought that they needed to address the goalkeeper position, which they did spectacularly. I thought with the injuries to Cavani and Mbappe that they needed to address the attack. They did that with Icardi. I'm not convinced that right back is going to be a major issue for us. I love Colin Dagba. I think Munier can do a fine job. And I think Tilo Kerr is, is uh, when he comes back from injury – and I think he's going to be fantastic as well. So I think between the three of them, we can find someone that is at least serviceable. And with Tuchel's tactics, I think we can work around some of their shortcomings. So that I would have loved to have seen, you know, a taller or Lala come in. But I think we're fine at that position. When you look at the squad from top to bottom, it's really hard to find a weakness. They really did address the depth issues and some of the other holes in the squad. Um, so. Again, you can always do more. I think the Neymar transfer kind of distracted them a little bit. Maybe they could have gotten another signing or two. But overall, I give it a 96. I thought it was fantastic. I loved all the players that they brought in. Um, and I guess now we just wait for the new kit to be released, and we can all pick our favorite player to put on the back. But hell, hell of a transfer window. I'm, I'm really excited. And it changes the narrative for PSG, where you had that loss to Ren and people were kind of down, and the Neymar and people were kind of bashing the club. This kind of puts some wind on our sails now, you know. Going yeah. into after the international break, hopefully we don't have any, you know, catastrophic injuries during that time period. But it, it really it, it lifts supporters' spirits, don't you think? Yeah, it's nice to be happy for a change. Yes. And I know there's some people that can't be happy in life, but it's nice to be happy. It's nice to have most of the fan base happy. I mean, <laughs> compared it to what it was last year at this time. When they, you know, they were when all the French-speaking PSG fans were tweeting out the frog meme with the with the razor slitting the, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. That just that kind of so, that kind of stuff in the in the in the moaning and the this is so much nicer when people get what they want and they're happy. Yeah. So I I can't even I like yeah it's it's nice it's it's better it's better for us because we get to you know enjoy a little bit of it. But yeah, I, mean, I enjoy it. Yeah. So let's. Um, so I tweeted out while we were recording this for people to send in their questions. I forgot to do that earlier. So we do have a couple of questions. We can wrap this up because you and I have a uh, fantasy football draft to do in about yes, do. 17 minutes. Okay. Yes, so let's just go through these real quick. Diego Fuentes at Diego UTS 98. He wants to know how the thoughts on how the Spanish media manipulated the Neymar transfer saga and how did P and, and how did PSG counter it? And he posts a photo of all of the uh, Deportivo sport covers with Neymar. Well, I feel like we've covered this a lot, but do you want to have just one last word on the Spanish media? Um, do I, okay. So they do this all the time. This isn't new. Neymar sells people. You know, he's a celebrity. He's a celebrity that happens to be a football player. So celebrity sells. They know that that stuff sells. They know he is a brand that people want to read about and talk about and gossip about. PSG stood firm. They didn't react in the media. They weren't 
playing the they weren't playing that game. They set a price and Barcelona couldn't reach that price because Barcelona's broke. So Spanish media out of this. The Spanish media tried to make this more than it was, but they just couldn't do it. So, you know, I thought it was really well handled all the way around. It's exactly how I would have handled it if I were Leonardo. I thought just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I, I tweeted this out, but not many teams can stand up to Barcelona and the Spanish media and come out with their player remaining in the team. They've done this now twice, Verratti and Neymar. So maybe they should just back off and, and not mess with any of our players. So thank you for that question. Let's uh, let's see what else. Um, so this transfer window just ended, but at times PSG wants to know what are the musts in the January window? Pretty premature to think, but just your thoughts. Maybe a right back. Maybe that's when we can get someone. Um, it depends on how Tilo Carrer does in that spot. I think they're mm-hmm. going to give Tilo Carrer a chance to win that right back job. If he doesn't, then Colin Dagbo will get his shot. I don't think they want the 19-year-old to be in that kind of situation yet. So, yeah, right back would be the spot that that pops out at you right now. I like it. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh, I'll answer it. In January, I would like to see someone come in at the right back position. You know, if we get an injury to someone, you know, let's say knock on wood, if Idrissa Gay goes down, maybe that's a position we need to fill, a starter, defensive midfielder. So I think injuries could play a role in that. Maybe some of the departures, if we figure out, maybe we don't need, sorry, Mark, maybe if we don't need Draxler, maybe get some money for him now. Maybe if we don't need Mounier, maybe that's, I think January might be a time where we sell some players. Possible. Maybe not bring into me. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good point. Our good friend Eduardo Razo at underscore Eddie Razo. He wants to know: Would you guys pay for Derby County? I would not pay a sixpence. It's a, yeah, it's a, I, the British. I'm joke. not sure. I'm not sure not if I if I was even a fan of Derby County if I would pay for it. Like we live in the United States and we have you know New York Times, Washington Post. They have uh, you know, paywalls. I don't really, I don't pay for, I don't, I don't really pay for news. Yeah. I don't know. PSG talk is free. I don't expect people to pay to read or listen to what we say. Um, yeah, I would not pay for Derby County news and anyone that does. Can I, I, I mean, I might need some money cause clearly you have money to burn. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's go on and, and get out of here uh this has been the 1970 podcast with ed and mark thank you for listening as always this is brought to you by the big heads podcast network uh go ahead and check them out for not only great football shows but a lot of other great podcasts that you'll enjoy um you can find me ed at psg talk on twitter we're also on youtube uh, I'll just mention real quick, Guillaume just sent me a new psg stories about zlatan which is incredible so we'll be getting getting that up soon if not already it's up but i'll share that on our twitter um but yeah just follow us on youtube instagram facebook all those places and mark how can people find you they can find me at mark damon one fantastic and i'll let you do the outro since you're so good at it for ed this has been mark damon saying once again our blah for now